0: Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. My dear brothers and sisters, God's word for our consideration today requires a little preamble, a little context before we dive in. Um, It comes from the Gospel of John and it happens about a day after that that one most famous miracle I mentioned when we started, the feeding of the 5,000. All right, as, you, as you probably remember, as you probably learned several times, crowds and crowds of people came to see Jesus. They came to hear what he had to say. And when mealtime came, there was no food for the crowd and nowhere nearby to get that food. And so Jesus took a small boy's lunch, and he made it enough to fill the stomachs of 5,000 men, plus the women and children. Now... What do you suppose the takeaway of that event should be? Let's take a look at how the crowd themselves react in our reading today. Once the crowd realized that neither Jesus nor his disciples were there, they got into the boats and went to Capernaum in search of Jesus. When they found him on the other side of the lake, they asked him, Rabbi, when did you get here? Jesus answered, Very truly, I tell you, you are looking for me, not because you saw the signs I performed, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. For on him, God the Father has placed his seal of approval. Then they asked him, What must we we do? to do the works God requires. Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one he has sent. So they asked him, What sign then will you give, that we may see it and believe you? What will we do? Our ancestors ate manna in the wilderness, as it is written, He gave them bread from heaven to eat. Jesus said to them, Very truly, I tell you, it is not Moses who has given you the bread from heaven, but it is my father who gives you the true bread from heaven. For the bread of God is the bread that comes down from heaven and gives life to the world. Sir, they said, always give us this bread. Then Jesus declared, I am the bread of life. Whoever comes to me will never go hungry, and whoever believes in me will never be thirsty. This is the gospel of our Lord. At the end of John's gospel, just before this, if you go back and read what leads up to this, Jesus had known, because he was God, that the crowds wanted to take him and make him a king by force, if necessary. So he got away from them. He retreated alone to a mountain and... Eventually his disciples, I don't know if they got tired of waiting for him or what, they got in their boat and they crossed over the lake to the other side. And in the middle of the night, we get another one of those famous miracles. Jesus joins them. He walks out across the water and gets in the boat with them and finishes crossing to the other side. So that's where we kind of pick up the next morning. He and his disciples are over there. The crowds are looking for Jesus. And eventually, somehow they they realize Jesus has slipped past us. We're not really sure how he could have done that, but he's not here anymore. So they start searching for him very diligently. And, and once, we, once they catch up to him, we get this, this sort of insight into why they're being so persistent, um, which, which seems like a good thing at first, right? I mean, when was the, when was the last time any of us so diligently pursued our Lord or, or went to such lengths to, to spend time with him in his word? If only the crowds had arrived in order to listen to Jesus. But they catch up to him, they ask him a simple question that that might seem to you or I like an icebreaker. They say, when did you get here? Might seem innocent, but one of the reasons these people had assembled the day before was they'd heard about the miracles Jesus performed and they were kind of impressed by that. And and you can kind of hear this, this unspoken question, you know, you left your boat behind, Jesus. Your disciples already left. We knew you were here. How'd you get over here? Did you, did you fly, Jesus? Did you teleport? Did you walk on the lake? Jesus is not interested in, in this banter. And so he cuts right to the heart of the matter. And with a, a solemn oath in the, the Greek, he says, amen, amen. He tells them in their hearts why they're there. You're not here because you saw miracles and you want to learn more about the person who did those miracles. You are here to get another free meal. Instead of marveling at the gift and letting it draw their eyes to the giver, instead of wanting to know more about this this wondrous person who can do such things and, and what it means for them, their focus was on what was in their hands. The focus was on themselves. The meal was done and their thought was, maybe there's more. The bread that Jesus had given them the day before was meant to show them who Jesus was, that he was someone special. It was to make them ask, Who is this? What are you doing here? It was meant to lift their gaze to God and to the greater gifts that God had to offer them, eternal life, forgiveness of sins. Instead, they were just hungry again. The crowd didn't care so much who this Jesus really was. They didn't care if he was a prophet or the Messiah or what. What they cared about is if they could get more something for nothing out of the guy. They were supposed to seek God, and they didn't. And as much as Jesus tries, as their conversation progresses, things don't get any better. He is incredibly patient with them. He says, "Don't, don't waste your energy trying to store up what is only going to be destroyed. Don't think about that, whether you eat it, or it vanishes, or it spoils, or it's stolen from you, or you have to die and leave it behind. It won't last. Work instead for the food that endures to eternal life, he says. The the food that comes from the Son of Man. The one that God has sealed as his messenger. Do you get how important this is? And the crowd says, okay, okay. We're kind of tracking here. What's the cost? What do I have to do to get this food from God? And Jesus gives the answer God gives throughout Scripture. He says, you don't do anything. You believe in the one that God sent. You believe in him and the food is yours. There is nothing to do. You'd really hope that would land but did you notice the crowd's reaction? It's extremely manipulative. Okay, Jesus, you say we're to believe in the one who who, who God sent, and we're we're assuming that's you. All right, so how how about a sign so that we know we can believe in you? How about a sign so that we know you're really from God? You know, our ancestors had free lunch in the desert for like decades. You know, that was pretty impressive. Wink, wink. You could do something like that. Back to meals again. Back to wanting to be fed. He's talking about their eternal life, and they just want another handout. Jesus tries to explain further. He says, no, the bread you should be concerned about is the true bread that the Father has to offer. The true bread is the one who comes down from heaven and gives life to this world. That's what you want. And apparently they only hear the word bread because they say, well, give us that bread because we ate bread yesterday and we're still hungry. We want something better. Give us this food that fills us up. Why didn't you give us that yesterday? Jesus says it plainly. I am the bread of life. He who comes to me will never go hungry. He who believes in me will never be thirsty. Kind of hear the silence that follows a statement like that doesn't get much more plain. And for today, that's where we're going to stop in our reading. If you want to go home and and read the rest of this account from John, uh, it doesn't really get any better. (laughs) But I'll I'll let you do that on your own. For now, let's take a look at at this back and forth between Jesus and the crowd. And, And more importantly than judging the crowd, let's see what we can learn for ourselves. Because so far, it's pretty tempting to just side with Jesus in this discussion. It's easy to read this and just have those exasperated sighs and shake your head at how how slow and and thick these people are being. A miracle has happened. The point was to show them how much God loves them, how much he, he wanted to give them something so much better, and they just won't look up. He has eternal blessings for them, and they keep focusing on their stomachs, on the food, on the temporary satisfaction. So, do we do better? You and I don't have miracles to react to like this crowd did, but what we do have, we do have that same stubborn, sinful nature buried within us, where all that comes from. And we also have a steady flow of blessings from our God. It may not be just a straight handout of, of fish and bread, but God does provide for us, doesn't he? He takes care of us as he promises, richly and daily. And how do we respond to this flow of blessings from our God, to these the the creature comforts and necessities of our daily lives do they cause us to look up to their source to see God to to want to understand and know better the one who gives us these things to see that that treasure of forgiveness and the eternity that he offers and, and then in return to say God you can have my life to use as you see fit because you are so good and gracious to me or do we fall into that trap where we get more focused on the things we get instead? That we're, we're watching those material blessings as they come in and we're happy when it's enough and we start complaining when we don't think they are enough. It happens. I know I'm guilty of it. God was trying to offer these people the greatest blessings, and they kept focusing on the immediate gifts. Instead of the eternal, they wanted the stuff that would fade, the stuff that would spoil and provide no lasting benefit because they were hungry. So, what about us? Which is it that you want? Do you want the temporary or do you want the eternal? That's a really dumb question to ask you right now, right? Because <laughs> we're sitting here in worship. We're in the right frame of mind, and if nobody here is going to answer, Well, I want the temporary. Of course, we want the eternal. We're sitting here, we're focused on God, thinking those godly thoughts. That's not really a fair assessment. Maybe a different question When are you most content? When do you feel satisfied? and what is it you pursue in your life to get to those feelings? That cuts a little deeper for me. Because I'd wager that more often than we should, and I'm not judging anyone here, I don't know you well enough to do any of that, but I'd wager that more often than we should, we chase earthly things to find those feelings. That, that being content and being satisfied with our lives to us is the right combination of things like location, or company, or creature comforts. And, and even if we manage to, to mix the right concoction of those things in our lives, they, they don't last, and so we t- tend to spend a little more time than we should chasing the next thing that's going to make us content. The next vacation, the next party, the next toy that we're going to buy. And when we don't get what we think we need to be happy, when we can't have that, that whatever it is that we chase after, is it whining? Is it complaining, stamping your feet? When we don't get the earthly peace and comfort we think we deserve, Do we turn to God with indignation or self-pity and say, why me, God? Why aren't you taking better care of me? Again, only you know your heart, only you know your actions. I'm just asking you to ask the questions. But friends, don't work for the bread that spoils. Work for the food that endures to eternal life. Don't let your eyes get stuck on the mundane like this crowd was. Lift them toward the eternal, toward that which lasts. And understand the effect that the bread of life has on your life. Seek it above everything else. Because there is joy in feeding regularly from God on his word at home and in worship. Don't do it as something just once in a while because you think that's going to keep God happy with you. Do it because it really brings the contentment we're always seeking. And so if we if we examine ourselves carefully and we, we find that our attitudes and, and our actions are lacking, if we find ourselves focusing too much on the, the spoiling bread that's here in this world and, and not enough on the food that, that God has to offer us that lasts us for eternity. Friends, that's perfectly normal. Because again, each one of us is sinner and saint. And even with the faith in our Lord that we have, do we still have that old self in us that's trying to steer us off course wants to tear us down by feeding the new self with the right food we starve that old nature more and more every day can't, you can't get rid of it here in this life but we should never give it an inch use the tools God has given you to send it back constantly return to the bread of life return to Jesus who died for you Who rose for you, who feeds you with true eternal life through the forgiveness won at the cross. In Jesus, we eat and we live forever. In Him, we never truly go hungry, never truly go thirsty, whether our stomachs are full or not. In Him, we have everything we need. Whatever we might go through here in our time left, it's going to pass. None of it lasts. And in him, we have an eternal end in glory. So when we come to him, he forgives any wandering we might have had. He lifts us back up. And in that forgiveness, again says, eternal life is yours. God is gracious. When we cling to him first, he gives us so much more than the little we would think to ask for on our own. When you think back again to that crowd, what did they ask for from God? They wanted another meal. God wanted to give us something so much better than that. And because our God has satisfied our greatest desire, forgiveness and eternal life, we don't really need much else. When the things that we try sometimes to cling to in this world, when they slip away from us, really doesn't matter anymore because we're safe and secure in our God. So brothers and sisters, feed yourself on a steady diet of the bread that lasts. Don't waste energy building up food that will spoil Building up in this world is just a sandcastle on the beach. Sooner or later, someone's going to come along and kick it over, the waves will take it down, or it's going to be time to pack up your shovel and go home. Now, I want to add one caveat before I wrap up here. That doesn't mean we do nothing here, okay? Um, God expects us to do work God expects us to carry out the responsibilities and roles he's laid out before us. But we do them for a different purpose. We're we're not doing it to to pile up food and money and treasures and leisure here. We're We're doing it so that we can continue to feed ourselves and our families on God's word. To continue growing in our lives for him and sharing our lives for him. We do what we do, but we do it for our Lord, not for this life. So don't waste your days scrambling after the earthly. Don't don't worry about what you have or don't have. Give up chasing what won't last and instead seek first the kingdom of God to ensure your eternity and God will provide you with your daily bread on top of that eternal blessing. The deeper your connection to God, the more you feed on him regularly, the greater you will have real peace every day, here and now regardless of what your earthly circumstances might be. Seek the great blessings God gives you in your life and look to their source. Look to God who has provided you with everything. Feed on that regularly. The rest will take care of itself. And as you look to your Lord, ask of him every day with proper understanding, Sir, give us this bread so that you can eat of it and live forever i what may here. Amen.